Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. It is indeed a heck of a morning, mostly for Sean O'Malley. We'll get into that in a minute. Thank you for joining us live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a great weekend, having a great start to the week. I'm not going to lie to you. I can't lie to the world. I am a a little bit tired this week. It was a long week last week. Got to Boston on Tuesday. Enjoyed all the fight fight week festivities. And then had to catch a a super early flight to New York City on Saturday. Had to drop off my rental car super early in the morning. Got a couple hours sleep in New York. Headed on over to the watch party. Had a great time. Woke up, did on to the next one with AK. Flew home. Rested a little bit yesterday, but this has been a a crazy month for your pal Mike. Fight week in Dallas, home for a week, fight week in Boston, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Love covering the sport, love being where all the action is happening. It was super cool to be back in Boston. The energy levels were at an all-time high. The vibes were in the air as I continued to talk about, as I said on the preview show, People's pre-fight show said at the beginning of the watch party, the vibes were in the air. And no matter how you felt stylistically about the main events for the Bantamweight title between Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley, no matter how 99 other fights were going to play out if they fought 100 times, it just felt like that night, that building, everything coming into it, the, how the vibes were feeling – that this was going to be the night that Sean O'Malley was going to become the Bantamweight champion. And lo and behold, second round, less than a minute in, Aljamain Sterling got a little too excited. O'Malley stepped back, landed that bing-bang-boom counter. Down goes Aljamain Sterling. 
follow-up shots. Aljo was doing a pretty decent job defending. O'Malley was landing some hammer fists. But for the most part, I would say like half of those shots didn't land. And then he stood over Aljamain and landed a massive right hand, which busted open his eye. And referee Mark Goddard had seen enough. And welcome to the Sugar Show, ladies and gentlemen. Sean O'Malley is the UFC Bantamweight Champion of the World. A couple things I want to say right off the bat. A lot of people were not thrilled with the stoppage. They thought it seemed too soon. I have no issue with the stoppage whatsoever. And this is somebody who never bets on MMA, but because I was on no bets barred, I did have some exposure on Aljamain Sterling. I have no problem with the stoppage whatsoever. I thought Mark Goddard gave him, gave him time to try to get back up and let him kind of compose himself. It was that big, huge right hand that cut Aljo open that did it. I thought Mark gave him plenty of time to recover, if we're being honest. Like, Mark could have stepped in right when that right hand landed the way Aljo fell and stopped it right there. And I don't know if anyone would have had a big problem with that. But it was just Aljo was defending himself. I get it. But to me, no issue with the stoppage. Don't understand why Mark's getting a ton of hate for that. And honestly, this Bantamweight division is upside down right now. It is upside down, and it's going to get real weird. It's going to get real weird because now you have a bona fide superstar as your champion, a guy that's going to call the shots, a guy that, sure, he wants his legacy to look really good, but at the end of the day, this dude wants to make a floppity jillion dollars, and he's going to do everything in his power to do that. That is why this rematch with Marlon Vera is going to happen. I know everyone's saying December. Sean O'Malley wants December. Cheeto wants December. That is the fight that is going to happen. Whether people feel like Marlon Vera deserves it or not, that is the fight that's going to happen. And I've been telling you from day one, Marlon needed to stay on that card. If Marlon wins and Sean wins, that is the fight that is going to be made. And we're going to get it. And we're probably going to get into December, and it's probably going to be the main event, even if there's another title fight, because Sean O'Malley is a main event guy. He is tier one star. He is at the big boy table. And if he wants to fight Cheeto Vera in December, he's going to fight Cheeto Vera in December. A lot of people have been asking me, a lot of people asking on to the next one, a lot of people have been hitting me up. Why is Aljamain Sterling not going to get a rematch? You seem very, very sure that he's not going to get an immediate rematch. I would be flabbergasted. I would be absolutely shocked if Aljamain Sterling gets an immediate rematch. And I'll raise you one. I will be stunned if Sean O'Malley ever fights Aljamain Sterling again. See, that's the thing when you say things. Because we talked about this a lot as well during the build. Sean O'Malley did everything he could to put Aljamain Sterling over the entire time. Maybe he talks a little smack. Maybe he says some things. That's fine. But the way Sean O'Malley presented himself throughout fight week, the man who he was fighting is the greatest bantamweight of all time. That's what he kept saying. He's the greatest bantamweight of all time. And if I go out there and land the big shot and knock him out, what does that make me? And the way Aljamain Sterling, Sterling sort of approached the fight, yeah, he kind of talked about O'Malley's skill set and, and his striking ability and his countering ability. But the way Aljamain Sterling kind of treated this fight was like, I'm just going to run this dude over and then move up to 45 and fight Alexander Volkanovsky. That was the whole thing. I'm moving. This is my last fight at Bantamweight. I'm moving up to 45. So when Sean was asked about the rematch, he's like, 
thought that dude was moving to 45. That's what he said the entire time. He's going to run me over and move up to 45. And then he is just completely no-sold Aljamain Sterling getting getting a, an immediate rematch. And, and, and honestly, I don't think Sean's ever going to fight Aljo again. I, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to say that. There is only one way. There is only one way, ladies and gentlemen, that Sean O'Malley will fight Aljamain Sterling again. And that is, if Aljo goes to 145, runs off some wins, somehow becomes the featherweight champion, and Sean O'Malley runs off a couple of wins, I could see a world where Sean O'Malley will try to win a second belt. And if Aljo's the guy holding the belt, he will gladly fight Aljo again. Other than that, that fight is not happening. That fight is not happening. I, I just don't see it. And I know this sounds, for Aljamain Sterling fans, it sounds ridiculous because Aljamain Sterling deserves a rematch. If there's any former champion who just lost their title that deserves an immediate rematch, it's Aljamain Sterling. The problem is the biggest star in the history of the division is now the champion, and he's got leverage up the wazoo. And if he says, I ain't fighting this guy again, I'm not going to be able to do it any better. It's kind of tough luck for Aljo. And now this division is super weird. Because now Marlon Vera is getting a title shot. He beat Pedro Munoz. Some people thought Pedro won that fight. It was very, very close. And then we have Marab, who's kind of hanging out. Henry Cejudo is doing his best to try to get a title fight. He ain't getting it. Not right now. Maybe if Sean goes out there and beats Cheeto and, and Henry's still yapping, maybe he'll give Henry a shot because he kind of likes the matchup. But I feel like Marab, it's it's gonna be tough. Unless Sean just is like, I gotta, I gotta, I have to fight this guy. It's gonna be tough, man. Like it's gonna be super tough for some of these guys to get a title shot. Maybe Corey Sandhagen gets one when he comes back from his injury. But this division is in a very weird place. And if the hangover of what happened at lightweight when Conor McGregor won the title, if you didn't like that, you're probably not going to like what's about to happen at 135. Will the division get more spotlight than it ever has before? Absolutely. But we have to prepare ourselves for a world where meritocracy is out the window because Sean O'Malley is a prize-fighting champion. He's only going to fight in the biggest money fights that he can get. And there's going to be a point if he runs off a couple of defenses where it doesn't matter who he fights. But right now, it kind of does. Him fighting Marlon Vera is the biggest fight in, in the Bantamweight division's history. It, it is. Sean is, is a crossover star. Casual fans know who he is. He passes the mom test, passes the friend test. If I get texts about a certain fighter, he passes the test. It's, it's beyond MMA fans. And Cheeto Vera is kind of the same way. Cheeto's in that spot as well. So things are about to get really interesting. I'm really curious to see where Aljamain Sterling goes from here. Could he stay at 35? Sure. But I honestly think he should just go up to 45. Go up to 45. And it really just depends on what Aljo's thinking right now. Does he want to go up to 45, make a run? Does he want to run off like four or five wins and then get a title shot? That's cool, but if he just wants to get in there and get back to a title fight, I said out on to the next one. Some people agree with me. Some people thought I was out of my mind. Focus all of your attention, not on Sean O'Malley. Focus all of your attention on Max Holloway. Call that dude out. Get after it.
Because if you want to get to Volk, you got to beat Max. You have to beat Max Holloway. And he may lose that fight. And a lot of people feel stylistically that Aljo is going to be in big trouble in that fight. I would probably pick Max to win that fight as well. But if Sean wants to just jump the line and get right into a title fight for a chance to win that belt, fighting Mobzar of Loya for Bryce Mitchell or Calvin Cater isn't going to get you there. And the timing works out because Max is getting ready to fight Korean Zombie on Saturday. He's probably going to win that fight. And then you kind of have to figure out where Max is going to go from there. Max ain't getting a title shot as long as Alexander Volkanovsky is the champion. So Max can just play the stopper role. And it's an interesting fight. Those two guys fighting, if I told you two years ago that Aljamain Sterling is going to fight Max Holloway, you'd, thought, you'd think I was crazy. But let's open things up. You do Marab versus Cejudo. O'Malley's going to fight Cheeto. And we'll just kind of see where the division goes from there. But Bantamweight's going to be real strange and weird. Big star at the top. What a win for Sean O'Malley. And I'm going to echo something that Ariel Hawani said yesterday. He's the dude. He is the dude. He went out there and knocked out Aljamain Sterling. He's the Bantamweight champion. He has earned that title. The road wasn't as difficult for him as it was for others. Sure, but that's all out the window now because he went in there and did what he said he was going to do. Sean O'Malley is the Bantamweight champion of the world. He beat arguably the greatest Bantamweight of all time. He did the damn thing. He shut up a lot of people. He proved a lot of people wrong. Welcome to the Sugar Show. Zhang Wei Li, what a performance from her. Just dominated Amanda Lemos. This was, some people were hitting me up saying, this is, this is like Amanda Nunes beating Juliana Pena the second time, like in their second fight. No, no, this is, this is way worse. This is way worse. Look at the stats. Look at the stats in this fight. I understand that there are moments where you're like, ooh, Amanda Lemos has this choke on. Maybe she gets her. I didn't feel like she was really in that much danger anyways. And then she just put the boots to Amanda Lemos. And shout out to Amanda Lemos for her toughness, her ability to withstand it and make it to the final horn. But John Wei Lee is the real, real. And Strawway has gotten real interesting again. Not that it's ever really gone away, but things are about to get real fresh. Zhang Weili versus Zhang Zhanan in China is a massive fight for the UFC. And it's a massive fight for this division. And it's a massive fight for that part of the world. So if they can do it in China, that is unequivocally the fight to make. But if they can't get China, I feel for Yan Zhanan, but she's getting skipped over. Because there, there are very few fights on my radar that I am more fascinated in than Zhang Wei Li versus Tatiana Suarez. When that fight happens, I, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I'm just I'm just breaking that one down is gonna be really, really fun. It's just an incredible fight, and I cannot wait for that fight to happen. Cannot wait for that fight to happen. It's so interesting. And if there's one fighter in this division right now who I think can beat Zhang Wei Li, I don't know if she does, but can, who I would at least somewhat hesitate to pick Zhang in, it's Tatiana Suarez. It's Tatiana Suarez. Ian Machado-Gary just runs over Neil Magny. That fight was not competitive for one single second. 30-24 on one of the judges' cards. I know some people are like, eh, you kind of had a one-legged dude. You should have taken Neil out. I'm not opposed to that line of thinking at all. I kind of thought Ian 
would have got a little more shine had he finished Neil in the third round. But look, you can't do it much better than that. That was pillar to post. Ian Machado, Gary called out Wonder Boy. I like that fight. I think that fight makes sense. I know Dana White went to the press conference and was like, yeah, we called Wonder Boy and he turned it down. I think there's probably more context to that, but I think if the UFC called Wonderboy back and said, look, water under the bridge, we'll pay you for the Michelle Pereira scenario. You just fight Ian Machado Gary at MSG. You get to fight in New York like you wanted to. We can't give you the Usman fight right now. Go fight one. Go fight this guy on the come up. Do, do it. And if you win, I'll give you, we'll give you the Usman fight. We'll give you a fight to maybe get you that title shot. And I know Ian said that, oh, I don't want to fight New York because of the taxes. UFC will just pay him more money, and there you go. I, I think that's the fight to make. Nice win for Mario Batista. Marlon Vera, we talked about, is probably going to get a title shot. Chris Wyman loses in his return, but he deserves a lot of credit for getting back in there after that injury and, and getting to the final horn. The tough fights were fun. Kurt Holobo back in the UFC officially. Triangle chokes Austin Hubbard. Brad Katona with Cody Gibson. One of the best fights of the year. Katona officially gets a contract. Dana White said at the post-fight press conference that will probably give Cody a contract as well. Andre Petrosky, Gerald Mearshart, Very middleweighty, middleweight fight, but it was a super fun middleweighty, middleweight fight. Natty Ice is the real deal. Just one-way traffic over Andrew Lee. Karine Silva exacts a little bit of revenge on Marina Morose. Gets a submission victory this time. So the silver parlay cashed for those who did it. And 292 was a, it was a, it was a roller coaster. Prelims are awesome. Main card had some fun fights, but it just seemed like it kind of dragged for a minute. But it all that means nothing after what Sean O'Malley did, knocks out Aljamain Sterling. Normally we have a lot more reactions during these watch parties, but just like the old song says, they went and saved the best for last and Sean O'Malley is the dude. So I see a lot of people lined up. We have a lot to talk about. So let's go to the peeps and see what the peeps have to say. Derek, we start with you. Hello. Hey, how's it going, man? So uh, I'm a big Jed Mishu guy. I might be the biggest Jed Mishu guy in the Midwest. And I agree with a lot of his takes. But I disagreed with his take uh, during the post-fight show. He said he thinks that the Bantamweight division could end up being awful after Sean defends his belt against Cheeto in December. And I just think that this uh, division's too deep for that. I think there's a lot of intriguing matchups. Him versus Corey. I mean, who doesn't want to see that? You've got the Marab storyline of him trying to avenge his buddy's loss. Um and I've seen more. I've seen multiple clips on Twitter from uh, Sean's podcast. He he's a big Izzy fan, and he likes Izzy because he's active and defends his belt. And I think uh, Damon Martin uh, had a good quote. He said he thinks Sean's just going to be a less problematic McGregor. He might not, you know, reach the level of stardom McGregor has, but he he's obviously doesn't. He's not as problematic. So I just wanted to know uh, your thoughts on my refute to Jed Mishu's claims. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I get where Jed's coming from, and I'm closer to Jed's line of thinking than I probably am to to most. I don't know if that he says this, it, this division could get awful, and 
I don't know. I mean, it was to be fair, like three thirty in the morning where he was at, and we just had an emotional dump from what we just saw from Sean O'Malley. I think what he was meaning more than anything was that Sean is going to be able to call the shots. And for those looking at the Bantamweight division, like it always has been where it's next man up, you're the dude, you're the number one contender, you get the title shot. I feel like those days, at least for now are not over, but they're on postponement for sure. Hence, Cheeto Vera getting a title shot after beating Pedro Munoz and after losing a pretty lopsided decision. I know it's in the books as a split decision, but anyone who thinks Marlon Vera won that fight against Corey Sanhagen is absolutely off their rocker. But that's just where we're at right now. Sean O'Malley is not here to be the greatest Bantamweight champion of all time. He's here to become the richest Bantamweight champion of all time. That's why he is already throwing out the Gervonta Davis stuff and going into boxing. And he said it, he has said it a million times, said it on first take yesterday. A lot of people are in the fight game. Sean O'Malley has always been in the fight business and he's in the business of making as much money as possible. So he is going to take not the Colby route, but he's just going to fight the guys he wants to fight. The fights he feels are the biggest drawing fights. Those are the ones he's going to push for. And what what is the UFC going to say? No. It's just going to be weird. Now, is he going to have to eventually fight some of these guys? Sure. But everyone's like, oh, he's going to go fight Umar and Magomedov. No, he's not. Why would he do that? Why would he go fight Umar? Marab at least has a story, so we could do something there. But I feel like... Sean has the power to be like, nah, dude, I'm going to go fight somebody else. That's just where he is right now. He is, he's a star. He's a star. And we saw when Connor won the lightweight title, never defended it. Was like, no, I want this thing. I want this thing. So I think where Jen was alluding to was kind of comparing to when Connor won the lightweight title and then he went into boxing and fought Floyd. And then we didn't see him for a while until he came back and fought Habib and all that. Another interesting thing that you said was like the that one of the big questions I have coming out of this is what you said that Damon said that he is a he he could be a less problematic Conor McGregor and I hope that's the case I hope that's the case but that fame that superstardom it can change people hasn't changed everybody but it can change people and right now Sean is not where Conor is in terms of superstardom but he's damn close he's knocking on the door if there's one guy on the active roster, and this includes Israel Adesanya, who I think is a big crossover star as well. If there's one guy on the roster who in the next year and a half, two years, could get right next to McGregor or like slightly right behind him, it's Sean O'Malley. It's Sean, for sure. And the UFC sees that as well. That's why they put the finish on YouTube and social media. That's why they put the whole fight on SportsCenter. That's why they did all these different things. They see what they have here, and they're trying to capitalize on it. So a lot of questions coming out of this. You feel for Aljamain Sterling because he kind of almost was forced into taking this fight on this specific date. But at the same token, if you're the UFC, you are loving life right now. You are loving life because your massive star is now a champion, and you can do so many different things with him. So – Things are going to get interesting. I'm not going to say that the division is going to be awful, but it is going to get really weird. And I have a feeling we could be living in a world where Sean O'Malley could be champion for a hot minute. 
And we could be seeing some some interim title fights to kind of make way for all that. I think Sean's going to fight Cheeto. And if he wins, he's probably going to take some time to see if anybody in this division can can make a move and get over. That's where we're at right now. So, yeah. So it happens when when you cross over and you become that big that big name and that big star. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, Daniel, hello. Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Perfect. Well, heck of a morning to you, man. Hope you enjoyed the time in Boston. Um, man, that card was awesome. I mean, you see the flag in my background of the picture, Arizona native here. So only right I got to come in and talk about uh, Sean O'Malley. Um, I mean, just curious, you know, just how many defenses you think he can actually rack up. Um and then I, I know it's obviously a little far away, but how do you actually see that fight between Vera and Sean going? You know, if, if you think it gets a finished decision, you know, who wins there? Um, and I guess just kind of just a, a little side note or just a thought I kind of had. But, you know, Aljamain, when he was champ, you know, we couldn't see the Marab fight because they're friends. Uh, he had already beat Corey before winning the belt. And now Corey's injured and Font lost in the last fight. Um, just feels like basically Aljo is leaving 135, you know, if he beat Sugar because there was no other fights left. So, you know, I, I'm just kind of curious on your thoughts if, you know, you, you just think like the Bantamweight division just got so much more exciting. I feel like guys like Corey Sanhagen are now going to stand out, you know, other up and coming strikers and things like a Cheeto, maybe even, I mean, I'll just throw like an Adrian Yanez, j- just something in the terms of just anyone that's exciting and, you know, that's striking coming up. Uh, and maybe guys like Umar and Marab, I'm curious if you kind of think they just got pushed back a little bit. I mean, Sean O'Malley is such an exciting fighter. I feel like people want to see him in firework fights. So, um, yeah, j- just kind of curious, just just your thoughts kind of on his rise, what, what happens, uh, you know, in that Vera fight, uh, and just what you think this uh, division looks like going forward. Thanks, Mike. 
Yeah, like I said, this this division can go a number of different ways. It, uh, it's it's all dependent on what Sean wants. It all depends on what that man wants. That's why he's getting the Cheeto fight. That's It's such a massive fight now. Both guys have very passionate fan bases, and it's just going to be a gigantic fight. I think he can beat Cheeto Vera. I have to probably look more into it. We really didn't get much. And here's the thing about Sean O'Malley still. Even after winning that fight, we still don't know how good he is. What did we actually learn in this fight? We didn't learn anything. Really. We didn't learn anything that we didn't know. That Sean's a great counter-striker and he can land that shot on the chin. And if Aldo doesn't get takedowns, he might lose. And like all that played out, right? But in terms of Sean getting deep into fights and having to weather storms and all that, like outside of the Piotr Jan fight, we don't know how good he is. We, we just don't know. It's, and that's what makes this, this so interesting. Like, if he just goes out there and melts Cheeto, we start to get a little more. But, like, what's so fascinating about Sean as champion right now is that we, we don't know what his ceiling is. We know what his ceiling could be as a star, but as a, an actual fighter, we don't know how good he is yet. And I don't think we've really ever known. And that is so super interesting. Now, if you're Umar Nurmagomedov, this result absolutely kills you. Because he was getting ready to fight Corey Sanhagen. If he goes out there and beats Corey and Aljo had won this fight, they might have just thrown him right into a title fight. Like, he might have got a vacant title fight, or even if Aljo's, like, wanted to stick around for one more. He could have just got himself right into a title fight. Like, it's just crazy to think about. And I don't feel like Corey Sanhagen got hurt by any of this. I think the injury actually kind of helps him. Would he, be, would he have gotten the, the next shot? No, because Cheetah would have got it. But I think the time off and if he could just stay in the media and stay in the spotlight and, and do interviews and, and say things about what happened and Sean being champion, but putting him over in like the right way, I think that's it's an interesting matchup. And I think, honestly... I think Sean could see some value in that one. It just depends. If Corey just stays kind of hidden and doesn't do much and stays out of the spotlight, not good for him. But if he could stay somewhat relevant in all this, I think he's a guy that Sean would be interested in fighting. I really do. And for Aljo, honestly, if he's going to stay at 135 for one more fight, there's only one fight that makes sense. And I don't think it's going to happen right now because of what's being discussed. But if you're going to do one more fight at 35, you want to get one more in there before you move up. The, the fight that makes all the sense in the world is Dominic Cruz. Because when we talk about who the greatest man and weight of all time is, it's those two dudes, right? That's the conversation. Is it Dominic for what he did, his resume, or is it Aljo for what he's done and what he's been doing? Let's settle it. Let's have the fight for the greatest man and weight of all time. Just do that. But as we've been talking about for the last couple of months, it seems like the UFC is pivoting towards maybe a, a Dominic Cruz, Figgy Smalls fight. Not sure when that's going to happen. I know there were talks about possibly doing it in November. I don't know if that's going to happen in November at this point, but I still feel like that's the fight, the direction that everyone is, is leaning towards at this point. Please don't say, oh, Mike checks in the fight. They're going to fight each other. No, it's not done yet but it seems like that's the direction that everybody wants to go. So 
I don't like there's just really nothing more for Aljo to do right now. So just go to 45, tackle a different challenge. Maybe you, you win the featherweight title. Maybe Volk moves up to 55. That title becomes vacant. You get thrust in there. Maybe you win the belt. And then maybe you can get that rematch with Sean. Sean can come up and fight you. So, yeah. This is going to be a very interesting time at 135 pounds, my friends. CV, hello. Good morning, Mike. Uh, heck of a morning. Uh, just a simple question for me. Um, who do you think out of these two former champions um, eventually becomes a champion again, whether in their current division or another division? Um, Kamar Usman or Aljamain Sterling? Thanks. Oh, God. That's, it's a tough question. I would say, man, it's so tough. Because it's not going to be, like, the only way it's Usman is if Colby beats Leon. That's the only chance he has. Because as long as Leon is the champion, Usman's never fighting for the welterweight title again. And middleweight is so interesting right now with, with Hamzat going up there and the some of the rising contenders and Paulo and, and some of these other names. I just feel like Usman, and Usman's not going to fight Izzy anyways. Those two guys aren't going to fight each other because of their relationship. I, I mean, maybe a slight, I mean, ever so slight lean towards Aljamain. Because I feel like if he does go up to 45 and runs off a couple of wins, he can get into a title fight. And Usman, like, and Usman has to, if if Colby doesn't beat Leon, Usman. If Colby doesn't win the belt, Usman's not getting a title shot. Again, he's he's not. So I'll lean Sterling as it stands right now, but it all depends on what Sterling does next. If he stays at thirty five, then it's not going to be him. But if he goes up to forty five and and tries to go on a run, I don't think Sterling. Like I don't think they're going to make it super easy on Aljo. But I do think that if Al- it is a fresh matchup for Volk, and he ain't there now, but if he goes up and like beats, if he goes up and beats Max Holloway in his first featherweight fight, he's probably getting a title shot. So I think the path is clearer for Aljo, but it's not like Usman can't get there. But he needs a lot to happen. So I'll lean Aljo. It's a great question. Um, it could be neither. We could be living in a world where neither fights for a title again. Cole, hello. Hi, Mike. I just got one thing for you. Like, I watch the fights on the central time zone, and I'm not even – I don't even have the worst of it. But, like, I'm watching it with a group of fans. And I'm, like, the probably the hardest of hardcores. And I'm watching it with fans who aren't total casuals. And we're all kind of having a hard time staying up till 1230 to watch – to wait till the main event starts without having to, like, abuse a number of substances – so I just want <laughs> I just want your thoughts like what the hell is happening with this? Is this gonna change? Like and I cannot wait to wake up at like five or four thirty this weekend with a cup of coffee to watch Aaron Blanchfield beat the hell out of Talia Santos. So that's all I got. I'm Thanks, Ann. Is it gonna change? No. Uh luckily I mean look, a couple times a year we get we for the, even for pay-per-views, we get some early ones. Like the London card was early. The pay-per-view in March. Abu Dhabi is going to be early. 
Don't mind that at all. It's pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, but for the most part, like this is what we're going to get. Now, it's, it doesn't happen all that often these days that we just get four straight decisions in the main card. And I think the way that this card was kind of laid out, we kind of knew Vera Pedro was going to, to a decision because those guys are just so goddamn durable. We felt like Mario Batista DeMond Blackshear was going to the cards. But on paper, most people thought Ian Machado Gary was just going to run over Neil Magny, and he did over a longer period of time. But I kind of didn't see that fight getting out of the second round. And it went off. And it looked like at certain points, Ian could finish Neil at any time. Anytime he really wanted to, he could just keep kicking him in the leg and finishing him, and he didn't. And I think a lot of people thought, no matter who won the Colmate event, either Zhang was going to get her out of there in the first three rounds or Amanda was going to land a big shot early and get Zhang out of there and catch her. That didn't happen. It looked many. It looked like on multiple occasions that Zhang was going to go in there and finish Amanda Lemos, and that didn't happen. So I think it was just one of those things where we were very like we felt overly confident that we were going to get two finishes heading into the main events, and that's not what happened. And occasionally, those things are going to go down. So yeah, it, it, it seemed like it kind of dragged, and especially doing those watch parties, you're just looking for that moment to react to. And we were very close a few times, but we never really got one until Sean landed that right hand in the second round of the main event. So I think all in all, watching these pay-per-views, I don't think 288 was kind of a tough one because we had five rounds of Bilal and Gilbert, and that went to the cards. And then we had five rounds of Sterling and Cejudo, and that went five rounds. But I don't think we were really surprised by either of those. I think we kind of knew what 288 was going to be after all the hiccups and all the changes. But for the most part, I think we've been pretty spoiled by by the pay-per-views and the cards. Like 291 was – we got the main event like real quick at 291. It was nice. But it's not what happened here, unfortunately. I don't know what's going to happen with the Sydney card, which just took another hit because we found out Kaikar France is not fighting Middle Cop anymore. So, yeah, let's just load it up with fights that have finishes. You won't get any complaints from me. But I understand where you're coming from. And shout out to the European folks who have to wake up, who have to deal with it way worse than we do. Uh, Copper, go ahead, sir. Hello. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Okay. So I had a couple things I wanted to just go over real quick about the Bantamweight GOAT debate. Uh, Aljamain has four title fight wins and all of them, there's some sort of stink of controversy. Piotr Jan, the first one, illegal knee, split decision the second time. TJ had one arm. Cejudo, if Derek Cleary gave him the fifth round like he should have, the clearest round in the entire fight, Henry Cejudo would have been the Bantamweight champion. While Dominic Cruz, he has seven title fight wins. I know... They're not like the most exciting always, but it's still just a larger body of work if you're including the WEC championship. So I wanted your thoughts on like that when you, because those are things that nobody's brought up in that goat debate recently. And it's been kind of infuriating to me because they just want to either totally dismiss the 
controversy of Aljamain's defenses. Um, and also Keith Peterson, I don't know if it was just a bad night for him, but there was the multiple low blows from Brad Tavares. I think if you have multiple low blows, even if they're clearly accidents, which I mean, he threw the exact same thing twice. How much of an accident is it really? Um, he should have been taken, taken a point. And also he should have just stopped that Ian Machado Gary fight. There was like four different times in the third round where Neil was totally out of it. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I Honestly, I thought that fight was going to get stopped in the third round, but it didn't. And there we go. It was, you know, most times we get no nonsense and there are times we get lots of nonsense. And well, we kind of got lots of nonsense from Keith Peterson. The Cruz-Aljo debate, I mean, look, a lot of people not discredit the WEC run, but they and they shouldn't. But I get where you're coming from in that sense. He had some, you know, beats Faber, beats Demetrius Johnson in a win that aged very, very well. And then he was just gone for three years. Came back and just annihilated Mitsugaki. Won the belts against TJ Dillashaw, which, by the way, if we want to talk about controversy, a lot of people felt like TJ won that fight. Like, and a lot of people still to this day feel like TJ won that fight. I was there. I thought TJ won that fight, but I understand that the better thing probably happened because we got the crowning moment, the comeback, all of that. Then he fights Uriah Faber, which a lot of people didn't even feel like he deserved that shot at that point, but we understood why we got it. And then he loses to Garbrandt, loses to Cejudo, beats Casey Kenny in a close fight, beats Pedro Munoz in a close fight, and then gets knocked. And he was looking good against Cheeto until he got knocked out pretty bad. And then we look at Sterling's UFC run, and it's Cody Gibson. How about that? Hugo Viano gets a finish, fights Mitsugaki, got him out of there, got Johnny Aguaro out of there. Brian Caraway was a highly ranked guy. Loses a splitty, loses a splitty to Javier Sunsau. I think a lot of people felt like Aljo won that fight. Beats Augusto Mendez, who is Sean O'Malley's jiu-jitsu coach. Beats Hedden Barrow, former champion. Takes the Marl Marias fight on, on pretty short notice and gets knocked out. But then look at his run after that. Brett Johns, who was undefeated at the time. Great win. Cody Stamen was on a great run at the time. Submits him. Jimmy Rivera had won like 20 fights in a row. Beats Jimmy Rivera. He masterclassed Pedro Munoz. That was one of his best performances ever. Taps Sanhagen in 90 seconds. And then we get to controversy. Look, there is no controversy in the Piotr Jan fight, the first one. Piotr Jan made the choice of drilling an illegal knee. And you can see the moment where he where he pondered whether or not he should throw it. He's like, all right, I'm going to throw it anyways. Need him in the face. Aljamain Sterling deserves no repercussions, deserves no bad-mouthing about that. Piotr Jan cheated and need a man in the face in round four and lost the title. There is no controversy there. The splitting against Piotr Jan, I don't think there's controversy there either. Because he won, I thought Aljo clearly won that fight. 
Did he win it like running away? No. Did it get closer down the stretch? Yes. But I thought Aljo won that fight. I was very, I felt pretty good about saying, all right, Aljo just defended his title. Good for him. Dealt with all the bullshit between March of 2021 and April of 2022. 13 months of bullshit. Goes in there and beats him. Then the TJ fight. Again, you can't blame Aljo for that. You think Aljo showed up to Abu Dhabi saying, I'm going to fight this dude. I know he only has one arm. I know it, but I'm just going to do it anyways. No. And you could, TJ was banged up, but Aljo kind of took that injury to the next level, if we're being honest, and then Aljo just killed him like he was supposed to. Cejudo was a weird one because of the scorecard, as you mentioned, but I don't think there were very few people out there who thought that Cejudo won that fight. And it took a weird card to get us to that level, but the right fighter still won at the end of the day. So I didn't think there was a ton of controversy there. It is a weird title reign, like no doubt about it. But Aljo's resume is super good. Really, really good. Really, really good. And so is Cruz's. So, I mean, look, if you want to put Cruz up there, fine. I have no issue with that. If you want to put Sterling up there, fine. I got no issue with that either. But I think there is a, a conversation to be had. I think there is a debate. I understand the WEC stuff kind of gets thrown out the window. We talk about it with Jose Aldo all the time and his title run. Is he actually, in fact, the youngest UFC champion of all time because he was still in WEC and w- when his reign began? There's, there's all different things we could talk about. But to say – but Sterling deserves to be in that conversation. Only guy to defend his title three, three consecutive times. Tied for the most title defenses in, in Bantamweight divisional history, at, at least for the UFC. He's in the mix. He deserves to be in the conversation. For sure. It, is it weird? Yeah, it's super weird. But he deserves to be in the conversation. I'm going to get to everybody, so please be patient. But, I mean, when special guests come along, you got to bring them in. And uh, he gets the best friend favoritism. AK, Hello. Hello, my best friend. I had to hop on before. I had to do some KSI Fury uh, <laughs> coverage. I think that's what I'm covering right now. Uh, but you're, I feel like we're bearing the real lead. I guess not of the weekend. I guess this news came out on Monday. Uh, Maeda Bueno Silva, the poor thing, testing positive. She, she, she announced it herself via Instagram. She tested positive for a uh, banned substance before her fight with Holly Holm. Her, tri- her triumph over Holly Holm, which I feel like finally brought some peace and order to the land of Bantamweight. Uh, but now I don't know. We don't know if that's going to get overturned. We don't know if Buenos Aires is going to get suspended, which would probably precipitate some sort of drop, if not outright removal from the rankings. Mike, what do we what do we do with uh, what's going to happen to MMA's hottest division if if this if the, <laughs> the worst case scenario? that Buenos Silva is suspended and they have to, you know, she was obviously going half. Well, I, 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 we don't know. We think Pena Pennington won half a vacant title fight at some point, but Buenos Silva had kind of muscled her way in there. Now she's out of it. Mike, what do we do? What do we do? Everyone's, I just want to ask the question that everyone's thinking about. Thanks buddy. Um, yes, I saw that as of right now, I am scheduled to talk to Meyer Buenos Silva tomorrow to get more in depth about this. So stay tuned for that. Honestly, I, I don't know what, how long the suspension is going to be. I don't think – my guess is it's probably going to be less than a year. 
and it'll be retroactive to when the test happened. Because it's not like she would. I don't think she. Let me let me pull it up. Was I think it was like an ADHD type of thing. But I, I, I just want to pull up the thing and and have the context of it all before I give my answer to all this. And I'm going to ask Myra about all of this anyways tomorrow if, if, when I get the chance to speak with her. Uh, Deeper gravity to announce failed drug test. I want to begin saying I've never in my life taken a substance to enhance my ability in or out of the cage. I've tested positive for substance that is consistent with the prescription medication I take for my ADHD. I've been dealing with this disorder my entire life. And it affects me in a multitude of ways. I have provided a plethora of documents and explanations to USADA and the Nevada State Commission detailing the disorder, the effects of the disorder on my daily life and my decision-making and the ingestion of the prescription medicine. Fully cooperating with USADA, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, the UFC to make sure that all information is available and I fully acknowledge the presence of the substance in my system. I discontinued this medication at the beginning of fight week like I always have in the past. So while it appeared in a small amount in my system, I am told by experts that it would not have an effect on my in-competition in competition performance at that level. Please, before you make any judgments, understand I've been dealing with this my whole life, and I'm devastated that this has happened in my career. I look forward to coming to a resolution and putting this behind me. I look forward to fighting again for the best organization in the world. I am the next champion, and I am ready to fight. So I believe the – Commission meeting is either this week or next week, and I know MBS is on the docket. And I feel like most times when fighters come out with statements like this, that there is going to be a suspension, but I don't think it's going to be like a super long one. So my first thought before knowing what the suspension is actually going to be is that this is nothing. This doesn't hamper anything. Because even when Myra went out and finished Holly Holm, I don't think she was sliding into the title fight anyways. I think the UFC already had Pennington Pena sort of on the wall. It's just kind of figuring out where it's going to happen. So I just kind of think it's just, there's going to be a weird sort of asterisk attached to things, but um, it's not like she took steroids or anything. So I wonder just how the overall reaction is going to be. But to me, this actually may have breathed new life into, oh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Uh, this was probably the best thing that could have happened to Holly Holm because now she she's kind of back in the mix again, which is super weird to say. But honestly, I think timeline-wise, depending on how long the suspension is going to be, I don't think it's going to really hamper anything. So, yeah, it's tough, and hopefully she doesn't get like a, a two-year suspension or anything because then that's a whole different conversation. Toe Colo. So firstly, I want to say Sugar Sean O'Malley finally did it. Uh, Oh, finally, he did it quick. Uh, But you know what I mean. I apparently, I got a message from my friend who also is interested in the UFC, but not really, it doesn't really watch that often. And he told me, apparently back in 2017, I said Sean O'Malley is going to be a champion. I'm not going to take credit for that at all because I knew nothing about fighting at the time. I just saw him on, on Dana White's Contender Series and was just like, yeah, this looks like a champion. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, now he is. That's pretty insane. What I want to talk about, though, is, of course, or not of course, I always seem so negative. Anyway, um, Chris Weidman. So this part where Dana goes out and say he should retire, it kind of, I, I mean, I kind of agree. I, I'm not sure I want 
to see Chris Whiteman fight again. But the problem is, with him doing it as a promoter, he knows that if he, uh, or like, uh, if he retires, then the contract go, uh, keeps Chris Weidman in the company. Uh, like, I don't know if, uh, probably Sunset Clause and all those things, but it keeps him in for longer without having to fight so, uh, so that he can't be snatched up by other uh, organizations. And it, maybe it's just me and my conspiracy theorist hat, but it seems like that this could be the UFC saying, hey, we don't want you to fight anywhere else. But please don't fight at all because we we don't feel comfortable with it. We don't have any matchups that kind of fits the pay that we give you. Uh, so can you please just not fight? Um, that that's what it seems like to me. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, uh, but I would like to hear. It. Thank you. So I, I will say this, and. Dana will talk about this from time to time at these press conferences. And a lot of times he'll, he'll just be like, yeah, we got to have this conversation. It's time to have the conversation. You could tell, and it's not Dana's place to really say like, this guy should be done. This guy should be done. This guy should be done. But you could tell that you could tell that he actually cares about Chris. Like it came from a place of compassion when he was saying this. And mostly because he got hurt again in this fight. And, there, there, you know, there's talks about a torn MCL. That's going to be another year before he's going to be able to fight again after overcoming this injury. And I even said it on the preview show. But, like, the best case scenario of all of this is not a Chris Weidman win, although it would be a cool moment. It's not Chris getting, like, knocked out or anything. It's Chris getting in there and losing a somewhat competitive decision. Because if he just came back and went through all that and was just like, look, I did it. Hopefully I inspired some people and then decided to walk away at 39. Like this is a triumph. Like MMA retirements are rarely positive. And while it, Wyman was banged up and he's hurt and all that. And we saw him hobble on the leg a bunch of times in that fight. He still made it to the final horn and made it to the cards. And to me, like that's, there aren't a lot of moral victories in the sport and that's one of them. So if Chris wants to fight one more time, and I don't know what his contract structure looks like, I think the UFC is just going to give him one. And there's only one fight for me that that it is. You, you just I know it's a very rare thing, but bring back Luke Rockhold for one fight. Just do it. Just do Wyman Rockhold. Let's let's just end this thing once and for all. Double retirement fight. Call it a day, and let's just go. I also think that, like, if Weidman really wants to fight, like, he's always been in good standing with the UFC. They've always had a really tight, great relationship. And I think if Weidman just went to the UFC saying, like, look, if you don't want me to fight for you, that's cool. Just release me from the contract. I think the UFC would. I, I do. I th th this isn't – they're not going to try to hold Chris hostage. Where's he going to go, though? He's going to go to PFL? Maybe go for the Millie? He's just going to be part of the pay-per-view? I don't know. But – it's almost like impossible to talk about right now because we don't know how bad the knee injury is from this fight. We don't know when he'd be able to come back. We don't know what the recovery is going to be like. It's kind of premature to even talk about this, but you did notice, like if you watch that clip of him talking about Chris Weidman, like you can tell Dana like truly cares about him. This isn't just like, nah, he's done. It's just like, please don't fight anymore. Like, I love you, man. 
I, I just don't want to see a fight anymore. And that was a scary fight to come into, right? Any of us watching that were like, oh, man, just hope that he's okay. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But if he wants one more, it's Luke Rockhold and nobody else. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Four Corner Sports, hello. Hey, Mike. Uh, so... I got. I wanted to ask. Um, you were there for me for me for uh, media week. Um, is it me, or does it feel like Zhang Wei Li is becoming the the most beloved female fighter on the roster? I just feel like anywhere she goes, she's always getting a loud pop and a loud ovation. She got it in New York. Seemed like she got it in Boston. Um, anywhere she is, I feel like she is a baby face. And the way that she ended up having fewer domination on Amanda Lemos. I mean, it was spectacular. I feel that she'll be able to run through Yang Zhanan. Tatiana Suarez, I feel like it might go the distance, but I would favor Zhang Weili. And um, as for Sean O'Malley, I feel like um, we're going to be in an era where he's going to pick his fights. I can see people, I can see fighters of like Rob Font and Adrian Yanez, two fighters that have lost so far this year. They can possibly, at some point in the near future, um, get in the octagon with uh, Sean O'Malley because he's going to pick his fights. He's not going to pick a fighter like uh, Umar Namagamero. I feel like um, fighters like him. I, I would even say Corey Sanhagen would not be in the mix just because, I'm not going to lie, his last two fights have been very wrestling-oriented and a little bit boring. And I could just see Sean O'Malley looking at that type of um, fight and saying, you know what, this is not good for business. You know, I don't want to be having a fight where it's not entertaining for the crowd. So I feel like fighters like Sanhagen on the Manga Medals heavily lost um, this past weekend, like the biggest losers. And where is Piotr Jan? I feel like Piotr Jan and Brian Ortega are like the two fighters that a lot of people have been asking about what's going on with them. I have heard nothing that of any Piotr Jan news or uh, Brian Ortega. That's all I got to say. Thanks, man. Yeah, Zhang is super over in Boston. Uh, outside of Sean O'Malley, she was the most over fighter on the card. Lots of love, lots of ovations, and Boston is super over with Zhang. Zhang Weili loves Boston. 
Dana White hooked her up with a, a little FaceTime call with, with Tom Brady, and she loves Tom Brady. The last time she was in Boston, it was the last time they were they had a card out there. There's that fight night card headlined by Chris Wyman and Dominic Reyes. Zhang Wei Li was one of the guest fighters, did a media scrum, and before she got to the fight, she went to Gillette and met Tom Brady, and she, it was like the thrill of her life. She was so excited about that. So, yeah, she's super over. She wasn't always that way, though. Remember when she fought Rose? She wasn't the baby face in those fights at all. So she's come a long way. I, I think the improvements in her game, and I, I think her just going out there and melting Carla Sparza kind of did a lot for her. Uh, Carla was kind of the heel in all of this because of how she won the belt in a lot of people's eyes. Not really fair, but the fight was awful. It was a bad fight. But she still went in there and won the belt. And I think people just went, were like, all right, let's just go beat her. And it kind of got her over. So, yeah. And like I said before, Bantamweight's just going to be super weird now. It's just going to be a super weird division. Sean is going to have a lot of say in what happens. And I don't know who the biggest loser is. Like, I, I feel like Umar's a big loser in this. Um, Cejudo's trying his, his hardest. And I feel like I feel like Zahudo is going to get a shot. So I don't know what Henry's going to do. Is he going to go fight Marab and the winner gets Sean? Because there's stories with both. But I think if Sean has to say, he'd rather fight Zahudo than Marab. And that's probably the way, right way to go. And you mentioned guys like Font and, and others. They got to get themselves over, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, Rob is, is a super fun fighter, but he's not, like, super over. Adrian's probably a little more over than Rob is right now. And who knows? I wouldn't rule Dominic Cruz out of this conversation at all. I feel like Sean would see that as a winnable fight. And I feel like Sean could paint a picture of, hey, I already beat one of the guys in the greatest band of weight of all time discussion. Why don't I beat the other dude in the greatest band of weight of all time discussion? And if Sean wants that fight, you think Dominic Cruz could be like, no, nah, I haven't earned that one. Dominic's going to take that fight in a second. And there you go. Like I said, things are going to get very, very weird. Meritocracy is officially out the window at 135. The division I've always called the intercontinental division is now in a higher, higher place with a big star running it. Bantamweight has never been in a more interesting position because they've never had a big star at the top. Bantamweight is now an official main event division for pay-per-views. Sean O'Malley is not co-main eventing to anybody right now. He's not. And if they book him in December and they book, let's just say they book Yuri and Alex on that card too. I know Yuri and Alex is the bigger weight class, but they are co-main eventing to Sean O'Malley and Cheeto Vera. That's it. So the next two years are going to be real interesting. Well, forever long, Sean O'Malley has the title for. And then with Ortega, I don't know. I, we, we know what happened in the Yair fight. I think he was getting ready to return, and then he injured his shoulder again. That's word around campus. So he's going to be out for a hot minute, I think. I know Calvin Cater said when he's ready to come back, that's a fight that he wants. I like that idea a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense. So we'll see what happens with, with that.
Keep on going. There's three more people in line. We'll get to your boy. We'll get to Viking. We'll get to Dylan. Then we got to go. Uh, your boy. Hello. Hey, Mike. This is your boy, Corey, out here in Denver. I'm going to go a little off topic because I know this is, uh, has nothing to do with 292. But I got to ask, what do you make of the Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis drama? I don't follow either one of those guys, and they're all over my timeline. Do you think there's ever been, like, a pre-fight trash talk that has ruined a marriage engagement? Anyways, that's it, man. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. Dude has to show up now. I mean, the press conference I believe is just about to start. So, uh, and I believe Dylan is there for the presser. So, and he's making this interesting in, in some respects. There are people in like different parts of life who are now like totally invested in this fight. And I don't know how to feel about it. Like, KSI is going to fight Tommy Fury, and I feel like Tommy Fury is going to win. And then, then this fight's just super weird. Like, I just don't see a world where Dylan Dennis has any chance of winning this fight. So maybe this is just his way of just getting Logan all pissed off. But, like, this is pure boxing, and I just... Logan's not a, a, a good boxer at all, but Dylan Dennis, like, doesn't throw punches ever. So... I don't know. I think it's going to be a super big deal because Connor is going to be involved. Connor said he's training him. I would assume Connor will probably be in the corner to make this as big as possible. I don't know. I'm still not even convinced this fight's going to happen. I think the fact that Dylan is here for the presser is, is huge, but I still, until they're in the ring, I still don't believe this fight's going to happen. I just, I, I don't know. I, I'm more confident in this fight happening than the KSI one, but it's still Dylan Dennis, and until he walks into the ring on fight night, I just don't know. Viking, what's up? Hello. Hi, Mike. Hey, buddy. So the Connor's testicle is not going to show up, I think. So with that, and I'm, I just want to talk about the UFC to United States, Australia. Uh, I think the card is very mediocre. Uh, the core main event should have been a title fight in t- instead of that they booked uh, title with Alexander Volkov. Uh, I mean, this core event is not even for the number one contender and People have to pay significant amount for a pay-per-view and they deserve to get a co-main event as a title fight. So, and the title was and Alexander Volkov, they, they, don't, they just doesn't have that hype behind them right now and not even a winning streak. I think Volkov is on the two-fights winning streak, but still doesn't matter. So what do you think about the UFC 293 uh, card o- overall and, and the co- and do you think the co-main event should have been the title fight? Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. The problem is there's just, like, you have to understand where some fighters come from. It's just, first of all, th- this event was kind of like cobbled together. We knew they were coming here, but we didn't even know what the main event was until, what, like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? And it's happening like three weeks from now. 
we're all wondering, like, what's going to happen? Are, they, are we going to get Izzy versus DDP? And I think that was the UFC's original plan. We have to keep this in mind as well. This is pay-per-view buys for the UFC. It's cherry on top of the Sunday because they're getting paid so much money by ESPN and all the other broadcast partners to host these cards. Sydney and that whole area, they are paying the UFC to come there, right? They're making a whole bunch of money just to host an event there. On top of that, they sold the building out without even announcing a main event. Like, we weren't even sure if Izzy was 100% going to fight on the card, and they still sold it out. And to cobble a fight card together and spend so much time wondering, like, who's even going to headline? Because at first, it was all in on Izzy DDP. DDP wasn't going to be able to do it, which goes back to the weeks of this show where I was like, why the fuck is Robert Whitaker fighting DDP right now? Because the timing of that fight was awful. We knew that neither of those guys were going to be able to turn around and fight Izzy. Luckily, Sean Strickland fought the week before. There's at least something there. They get Izzy. There's just no way you were going to get a second title fight on that card in that short amount of time. So, look, this is a this is a local card. Ty Tuivasa is still super over. People still love Ty. He's going to go fight Volkov. That fight probably ain't getting out of seven and a half minutes. It'll set up the main event nice. We get Justin Tafos and Lane fine. This is just about – this is the Izzy card. This is the Izzy fighting at home card. And Izzy's a big star. And the beauty of this is, if you don't want to spend 85 bucks on it, you don't have to. You don't have to. But there's not another pay-per-view for another six weeks after that. Five, six weeks. We don't get another one until October 21st. So you get a little bit of a breather, and you know Abu Dhabi's going to be loaded. So I get it, man. I get where you're coming from. Right now, there's only 10 fights in the card. And let me just tell you, if it stays at 10 fights... I will be a happy camper. 10 fights is perfect. That is a perfect number, especially on a card like this. You get Tyson Pager on the card. Midel Cop versus Kai Car France is a sick fight. But now it's not happening. We got Felipe Dos Santos as MA fighting first reported last night against Midel Cop. At least Midel Cop gets to fucking fight. I mean, this dude has just had so much bad luck. Carlos Ulberg is a rising star. Jack Jenkins looked really good in his last fight. Him and Chepe Mariscal is a Ridiculous fight. Blood Diamond is fighting on the card. Shane Young's on the card. Jamie Malarkey on the card. Like, this is a let's get our region over. Let's get a bunch of local fighters. Let's get the crowd going crazy kind of a card. So, it ain't the best. It ain't the best. I still feel that this will do better than 288 did. The Sterling Cejudo card. I still think it's going to do better just because, because of Izzy. And Sean Strickland is going to do his damnedest to get Izzy riled up. The press conference is going to be crazy. The face-offs are, are going to be nuts. The build to that fight is going to be kind of ugly, but it's going to get some casual appeal. So I do, in the end, think it's going to do fine. Will p- people want to spend 85 bucks on it? Not really sure, but don't worry. You watch the watch party because that's, that's still going to happen. And we'll tell you what's going to happen. And we'll have a good time eating some Tam Tams and Tim Tams and watching Izzy do his thing. Dylan, hello. Hey, you got me, Mike? Yep. Hey, I just want to very quickly just complain about something for just a second. And hopefully Uh-oh. I don't come across as too much of a curmudgeon. 
But all right, it's Saturday night. The main event is among us. It is two ninety two. O'Malley and O'Malley and Aljo, they meet in the middle of the ring. It's electric. Like I'm out of my seat at home. And then all of a sudden, some jabroni in an event staff jacket just starts pushing O'Malley back and ruins the moment. And it was so annoying to me. And then I just thought about it. I was like, these guys are always so annoying. Like when a big win happens, they're like, don't stand on the fence. Don't don't sit on the side of the cage. It's just like, can we get these guys a memo just to chill out? Like O'Malley and Aljo were about to fight for 25 minutes. They They knew that. They're not going to attack each other in Bruce Buffer's announcement. Like, just let the moment happen. But that's it. Hopefully I don't sound like a break. Sorry. Thanks, Mike. No, that was, uh, that was actually, like, a really cool moment. Um, but at the same token, I'm sure that guy was probably told by someone from the commission to just be like, all right, that's enough. Like, get him back over the line. Let's get through these intros and, and get it done. Uh, but we did get that moment, and I thought that was super cool of them just kind of meeting on the outside of the, you know, the middle of the cage. And I thought that was pretty freaking cool, but you know, let them, they had their moment and they got pushed back, let Bruce Buffer and his weird Christmas wrapping jackets, get everyone all fired up. And he did. And it made that moment even, even bigger for Sean. So I, I didn't have a huge issue with it. We still got it. Um, we still got those guys pretty close to each other and, I think the moment just kind of lapsed at that point. Now we just get through the the normal shit. Let's get through Bruce's intro, and then we'll we'll just get to get to fighting. Let's just get to fighting. All right, last one. I gotta go. Uh, the fair play man to take us home. What's up, man? To them, so no stars with that fight at name bonus. Then we'll go through that series. I think it was Caton, somewhere like that. Caton and Olenberg or somewhere. Did you watch that fight? Hello? Wait, say, say it again. You were breaking up like crazy. Did you watch that fight? That Caton and that which one, which one? Them two with that fucking ding-dong. I told nine to twelve weekend. The ding at two ninety two. Which fight at two ninety two? Them two were fighting to get into UFC for contracts. Oh, the tough fights. Yeah. Which one are you talking about? Because there were two of them. But well, both of them were fantastic, weren't they? Roughly. Yeah, the Katona, the Katona Cody Gibson fight was one of the best of the year. It was incredible. Yeah, well, fucking, we're outstanding. I. I've judged every every UFC fight for the last seven years, and I've only missed. Then I've dropped to sleep twice. Once in Israel at the Sanya fight, when it, it, the both come out, and it was six o'clock in the morning, and my eyes had gone because I'd been up 18, 24 hours. And then oh, last Saturday night, out to Main Sterling on fucking Sugar Show. Fucking hell, I couldn't wait to watch Sugar Show. I've been fucking waiting for that fight for ages. I fucking felt a bastard sleep and missed him spark him out. I was fucking I knew it knock him out. It's good it's good it's got some power. That but it's gonna have his hands full when he's when he's got to defend it against Marab Dresh Philly or something. Him. He's gonna get his hands full to the show. 
Just, no, when I get it as easy as I got it against Taljo, I tell you now, because he's, he's a fucking, he's, he's better than Aljo in this fucking Mirab. What do you think to Sarukian fighting potentially against Ben Benil Darius to crack into top five? God, I hope they make that fight. Thank you, the fair play man. I hope they make that fight. Sarukian deserves that fight. He deserves it. Let's give him a shot. Let's see what he can do. As you all know, I thought he beat Matush Gamrod. Yeah, Neto BJJ gave him, gave him a little bit of a problem, but he still went back and, and finished the damn fight. So, yeah, I hope Surkin fights Dariush, and that'd be great. You mentioned Marab. I, look, could that fight happen? Sure. Is it going to happen anytime soon? No. Marab is not getting the first shot. It's going to be Cheeto, man. He's fighting Cheeto Vera. That is the fight. Nothing else is going to happen. Unless Cheeto like, is like, nah, December's too soon. And O'Malley calls for somebody else. But it's going to be Cheeto. It's the biggest fight in the history of the division. They're going to make it. It's going to main event. And it's going to be gigantic. That's it. I feel for Marab. I definitely feel for Marab. I feel like he was probably the biggest loser of all on Saturday night. And it's not fair. But I feel like... Because if Aljo won, Marab's getting a title shot. Like, he's fighting for the vacant title. But Sean winning just flips everything upside down. And now the division is different. The division isn't going to be the meritocracy division. It's the Sugar Sean O'Malley division. And whatever Sean wants, that's what's going to happen. So maybe, man, it's tough. If I'm Marab, I ain't calling for Sean right now. Because he's not going to get it. Call for Cejudo. Call for Cejudo. Go out there and fight Henry. You beat Henry. You're in a great spot. And someone mentioned, like, Piotr Jan is another interesting name. Where's Piotr Jan? This is the time. I know he came out and said, oh, the rematch is going to be great. He's just not going to get it. Do Piotr Jan versus Rob Font. And you best, oh, God. Piotr Jan jumps the line too if he gets a win because of the story there. And Sean already knows he's, he can beat him. So telling you, it's going to get real interesting. All right, last one and I got to go for real. Dominic, take us home. Dominic, unmute. Yeah, I'm sorry. I go. came in kind of late. I didn't get to hear your entire show. And, uh, but coming from a big O'Malley fan, you know, I really enjoyed 292. But I wanted to hear what everyone kind of has to say about, um, you know, the fact of, like, I've been a UFC fan since it started, you know what I mean? And I watched it go through a lot of changes, you know. And I just want to know what some of the fans think. Like, do you think that they should have let O'Malley beat him into oblivion when he knocked him out? Or do you think that the ref was, was, was right in what he did? Or is the UFC starting to get, uh, like, lashback and controversy for letting guys get, like, really beat after the fact of getting knocked out? What do you guys think? Thanks, man. No, I, had, I had no issue with the stoppage whatsoever. None. None. I think, I think Mark Goddard gave him enough time. God, like, the way Aljo fell, like, after he got hit, he, he face-planted. He was able to recover and stuff, and I think Mark Goddard gave him enough time. 
Omero's landed some hammer fists. Aljo was still rolling around a little bit, but it was that one big shot he landed when he threw Aljo's legs over and got to the side and landed that right hand that cut Aljo open. That was it. That was the shot that, that ended the fight. I have no problem with the stoppage whatsoever. None. None. Could we live in a world where, like, yeah, maybe it could have gone a little longer? Sure. But I honestly, I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have an issue with the stoppage at all. There's no need for Sean to beat him in a, in, into an oblivion. And if he doesn't land that big right hand that cuts Aljo's eye open, I don't know if Mark would have stopped it, but that was a big shot that Sean landed. And I think Mark was just kind of like, all right, some of these shots are landing, some are not, but none of them are like massively endangering shots. But that once that one landed, Mark's like, all right, that's it. So no, I had no issue with stoppage. None. Zippity doo All right, now I'll get Cole in and then I have to go. Cole, what's up? Take us home. Can you hear me, Mike? Yeah, right. real quick. Uh, what's like? What, what do you make of that judge scoring the Karina Silva round one? I mean, how the hell does that happen? That's all I got. Oh man. Yep, I, I forget his name too because I I know him. Uh, I've met Steve Rita. That's his name. Uh, I've met Steve many times. Uh, you know, just covering cards and. I've ring announced a bunch of local events and I've met Steve a bunch. Yeah. Not a good look, man. Not a good look. I'm sure you got to talk into about that, but not good. It's just, it, it looks even weirder when he's the only one to, to put a score down. So yeah, not a, not a great look. I don't know if Steve's going to be judging a lot more UFC fights when the promotion returns to Boston, which Boston was on fire, man. Like they were on fire. I don't think it's going to be as much as I would love to see that be a regular stop for the UFC, like a once a year stop. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a once a year stop, but I don't think we're going to be waiting four years for them to go back. I thought Dana would actually be more excited to be in Boston. I don't, I don't know what it was at the press conference. I like teed him up to like promote Fuck yeah, Boston, let's go. And he just was like, nah, broke the gate record. Good to be home. I was like, oh, man. Come on, man. This is why John Anik should have been up there. Anik would have went fucking bananas. But that's neither here nor there. All right, everybody, we are done. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's good to be back on the program. It's good to be back in South Carolina. We'll be back here again on Thursday. We might roll a little bit earlier than usual. Uh, we got a little something, something planned uh, for the podcast network. Uh, and I am excited for it for sure. So stay tuned for that. So we might roll a little bit early on Thursday. We got BTL as well to react to all this, where these, the Bantamweight division is going to go and all that fun stuff. Shout out, by the way, to my man GC in New York, Rick, just knocking it out of the goddamn park last night or yesterday on the MMA hour. GC and Rick show, the Rick and GC show, however you want to call it. Those two dudes just killed it. Super proud of those guys. It was amazing. Congratulations to New York Rick. I'm becoming a dad once again. Just good times all around, everybody. So thank you very much. Back on Thursday, we'll do it again. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody. <laughs>
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.